the title of our message before we go any further and the but come from different churches and their different leaderships. Hallelujah. Uh, the title of our conference, we are Kingdom Youth Thriving in Times of Change. Level Lamu Tribal Council, or I am a Kingdom Young Person, and I am going to thrive in these times of change. I am a Kingdom Young Person, and I am going to thrive in these times of change. Yeah, that is the theme, or that is the title of our conference. Kingdom Youth Thriving in Times of Change. Then the, the subtitle, Thriving in the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Hallelujah. Change is coming, and we as young people, if we don't take advantage of the change, we will watch the change happen, and we will lose out. Hallelujah. Are you going to lose out? Or are you going to thrive with the change? Uh, we know, I don't know if we know, but we've already had four changes. We've already have how many changes? We had four changes. The first change was the mechanization or the introduction of mechanics. Before the mechanics, Nerlema and real machine room come out and all those things. But machines came. And mechanics came and they simplified the way we worked and the way we improved our lives. That was the first change. The first industrial revolution was about mechanics or the introduction of mechanics. The second type of change was mass production or production in large quantities. Kimbori warning the introduction of also tractors. in large quantities. Hallelujah. That was the second change of the second industrial revolution. The third industrial revolution was about electronics or computers. The introduction of computers, hallelujah. We have got our smartphones and all those things that we do and communicate in our phones, hallelujah. Then the current one, yellow is going to be our focus. It's the application of computing or rather the fourth industrial revolution, hallelujah. Motorola, automation, high advanced computers and all those things, hallelujah. So now, the question, Yelore, I want to ask you as a young person. Are you ready for the change? Are you ready for the change? Is he or she ready? Or she or she, he is ready for the change? Ariel, let's... The person still on, I would, if I was you or as a young person, I would ask myself is that, what do we do as young people when change comes for us? What do you do as a young person when change comes for you? The second one, what do you do when you spend all your life studying or pursuing a career and then change comes and wipes it out. You spend thousands and thousands of friends going and getting an education only to find out that machines would come and wipe out 
all of the money that you used, invested in education, and the machine comes and wipes you out. The best part when I work with technology and there are a couple of things or some changes. I don't know if there was a machine, you know, they, they, they've introduced how can pay. You know, it's going to remove the tellers. And some of my friends were busy programming a machine. All over is going to take out the bankers and the lawyers. Now the question is, how, what do you do with this change that's coming? Are you ready for the change? Or are you going to resist the change that's coming? A friend of mine always says that he's against this fourth industrial revolution. But there's nothing he can do. We've got countless examples like Kodiak. Come on, right? Kodiak, ne? We used to return in Africa Kodiak camera, but today, what happened to Kodiak? The refuse changed. We had Nokia. Nokia was dominating the entire marketplace. Change came, but we are succeeding. We've done everything right to succeed. Change came, and it wiped out Nokia. The question with you, well, now change is coming. Will your career survive, or will your career be wiped out by the technology that's coming? Another question, Elora, would be asking myself is that, what do you do? What do you do when the economy crumbles? or when the economy goes down. If we are very ignorant, we won't know that uh, whatever is happening in America or everywhere else, it's affecting all of us. Now we've got trade wars, and those trade wars are going to affect you and I. Either this year or next year, we are going into a recession. The question is, what do you do? Even with that money that you've got saved, when change comes and it wipes out the value of the money that you have in the bank, what do you do? What do you do when this change comes for you? Let's go into the Word of God, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Or to give a background, when I open up Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To give a background, Rana Jesus had spent 33 years of his time or of his life teaching a particular message about the kingdom of God. And all throughout, he spent three years and six months with his disciples, teaching them about this kingdom of God. And then the disciples, I would say that the disciples didn't get the message that he was teaching, such that even when Jesus Christ died and he rose again, he still came back and he taught the very same message that he was teaching them. For 40 days after his death, he appeared to them many times in ways that proved beyond doubt that he was alive. They saw him and talked with them, and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. What's the Ghana translation film? Who is reading another translation, Raphael? Acts chapter 1, verse 3.
they saw him and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. Now the question you know, I would be asking myself or I would be asking if I were you was what do you do? What do you do when you've spent all your life teaching people a particular message and they don't get that message? What do you do when you've been teaching a message and your disciples or your fellows they don't they didn't catch that particular message? Now the challenge I want to give you as we are getting into the message is that or maybe are you going to get the message? Ore, ore. Or ore, he or she is going to get the message. Okay. Now the question I would be asking also would be, why was he talking with them about this kingdom? I mean, why would you spend three years and six months talking about a particular kingdom? If that kingdom is, is like today, why would you spend so many times or so many hours today talking about a change that's coming? Let's go to Matthew 13, 10. Matthew 13, 10. Go into Ruben Leon. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? A parable. Or teaching in parables it's a style of teaching that you are going to hide truth from whoever it is that is listening such that whenever that particular person has matured they will be able to understand the secrets that you were hiding away from them and he answered them and said unto them because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it was not given. Because it has been given to the youth of Maranatha to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but not to others. The youth of DFCC, the youth, all of the youth that are gathered at Hope of Glory, it has been given unto them to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now the question is, in this change that's coming, what are some of the secrets that would help you and I to thrive in these times of change? The first secret or the first change that's coming that's going to affect you and I is the spiritual change. Ladies and gentlemen, we have seen and we have heard what's happening in the church or rather what's happening to the kingdom of God, if I may. Change is coming. Some of it is good and some of it it's bad then the question will be how do you thrive spiritually in these times of change what do you do how do you ground yourself spiritually in these times of change the first answer john 4 
John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. John 4, 23 to 24. Spiritual change. John 4, 23 to 24. <laughs> It is, it's who you are. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. Who you are. As this change is coming, who are you? Because it is who you are and the way you live that count before God. It's not who they say you must be. It's not whom they think you must be. But it's who you are and the way you live. Not the way they live, but the way you live that count before God. It's the way you live that count before God. And it's who you are that count before God. It doesn't matter what's happening. But what counts is what, who you are and the way you live before God. And that's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirit, their true selves in adoration. Hallelujah. I will demonstrate the government. Hallelujah. I want you to get this because it's who you are and it's the way you live before God. But it doesn't end there. Those who worship you must do it out of their very being. We have seen so many things. Now I call them so many things. Tell you they are happening. And you would be tempted to think that it's worship. Or it looks like it is worship. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being. Not forced by a worship team member or forced by an usher or forced by a pastor. But they must do it out of their very being. Say for example, you come to church and then in your being you want to worship God. And then now I look at you, maybe I'm the usher or I'm the pastor or I'm whoever, and me seeing you, 
I force you or I try to emotionally manipulate you into worshipping, dancing or singing. Is that you worshipping out of your very being? Is it? It's not. God is looking for those who worship out of their very being. And their spirits. God tells us that the word spirit, it talks about the mindset or the attitude. It must be out of your own very being and in the right mindset that you would be in. In other words, the way you will be thinking about your God. If you are going to say, let's say for example, I am a singer and I want to sing. If I don't sing for God, but I sing for your entertainment, is that me being in the right mindset? It's not. But for me to be in the right mindset, to be able to worship God, I need to talk to myself and take some time out to remember what has God done for me? What has he done for me academically? What has he done for me career-wise? Or what has he done for me in my own life? Maybe make it sour. And God did, he, he did what he does best. And he took me out. Maybe I was failing academically or whatsoever. But God did what he does best and he took me out. When I think about what God has done for me and what he is continually doing for me, I am preparing my mind and my mindset so that when it's time to worship, I am not going to entertain you, him or her, but I know what God has done for me. As this change is coming, it is who you are and it is the mindset or the attitude that you have towards your God. Your God. It is your God. Not my God. But your God. Because it's about your God and not the second the person seated on your left or on, on your right. It's about your God and what He is to you and how you are going to express yourself to Him. When you think about it, Benjamin Dewey in his latest album, there's a song. I'll do it, Lord. You've done it before for me. Or maybe it's you as a young person. Or you know, I don't care what the person having on my left or on my right is doing or is saying. But this God of mine, he has done this for me. He took me out of wherever he took me. And now I want to show him or I want to express to him how much I love him. And when you do that, irrespective of what the person on your left is doing or the person on your right at the front or at the back is doing, but you do it expressing yourself to your God, then you would be worshipping your God. Whether I clap for you when you are dancing or you are singing, you wouldn't care. Because it's not about me and it's not about you. But it's about me and my God. It's about me and my God. What do you do? What do you do? Make sure that whatever change is coming, We've seen so many examples. No, We've seen so many examples where people are being destroyed spiritually 
and emotionally. Because someone thought that they, they were better than the other person. Instead of letting you worship your God the way you want to worship your God, they wanted to force you to worship the God. Now you are no longer worshiping the God of the man, but the man of God. Or you are no longer worshiping the God that is yours, but you are worshiping the God of the person who is forcing or trying to emotionally manipulate you into worshiping God. The question becomes, is it still worship? Is the worship in truth and in spirit? Or it's in the entertainment of whoever is trying to force you to worship your God. He's looking for those who will worship him in their very being, their spirit, their true selves, in adoration. Not in adoration of the one singing, not in adoration of the one preaching, but they themselves in adoration of God. Not anyone else, but in the adoration of God. Spiritual change. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to see so many changes that are coming, and a lot of things is going to happen spiritually. The question is, I like what Joshua did. Joshua said, you know what? This change might come, and you guys might decide whatever it is that you want to decide. But as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. The question becomes, even you as a young person, when others are abandoning God for the entertainment of men, will you worship God or will you join in their entertainment and entertain the man or the woman? Will you say in the midst of criticism, say that, as for me, I don't care what you guys do, but as for me, I will worship the Lord. Or will you be tempted to entertain the one who wants you to entertain them? But as for me, I will worship my God. In another time, he goes on and he says, In another time, he goes and he says that, Keep this, this book of the law, or these laws, keep them. Think about them. Meditate on them day and night so that you'll make your ways prosperous. And as this change is coming, this book of the law, you must meditate on it to find out for yourself what is God saying to you so that you would worship him. Not me, not the other person, not anyone else, but find out for yourself. Paul Ari, I love the congregation of Berea. For even after I have preached, they themselves would go into the word of God and test to see if whatever it is that I was preaching is indeed the truth. Now there are going to be so many people who are going to pretend and some who will be preaching. The question is, what will you do? Will you go and evaluate that whatever it is that they are teaching is the truth? Or will you accept it as gospel? If you accept it as gospel and they are teaching you nonsense, 
you would enjoy on following their nonsense. But if you go and test whatever it is that they are teaching and discover for yourself, you would know who God will reveal to you. Test whatever it is that's coming. Anyone who claims or anyone who thinks or anyone who pretends, test whatever it is. Even me, test whatever it is that I'm saying here. And if it's nonsense, then associate it as nonsense. But if it's the truth, then leave your truth, the one that God revealed unto you in your meditation and in your study. If you meditate on this way, and you will prosper, you will succeed, and you will make your ways prosperous. The change is coming. The question is, what will you do? What will you do to make sure that your ways remain prosperous? Arjambing, Ringo, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, 4. Oh, it's a rubber level. on top of the mountain. And when the disciples arrived on the top of the mountain, they saw him manifest his true self. They saw him in his glory and then came in Moses and Elijah. If I were you and I saw what God was doing at that particular time, I might want to build a doctrine. Or I might want to build an altar like these guys wanted to do. They wanted to say that, God, we have seen you yesterday. And you did this for us. And now you want to build something permanent here so that whatever you did for us yesterday, tomorrow you would think that you do the same way for us today. But when you study your Bible, you will realize there is no way God repeated what he did. In another instance, he uses a job to achieve success for him. And I like what happens. He says that when he was done, he threw away the job. Then we see another person and he's killing a giant. If I were you, if I had built or I had limited God to what he did yesterday, I wouldn't know what God wanted to do today. Because I was so focused on what he did yesterday that I am missing what he's doing for me today. He says, and he threw away the jawbone. Now imagine what would have happened if David would have took a jawbone and wanted to fight Goliath. That guy was so strong. I don't know, one shot, a metal gun. But because God always or continually reveals himself to all of us in different ways, to David he said that you have achieved or you've got a skill that you have mastered. 
Even you, wherever you are, there's a skill that you have mastered wherever you are. And as this change is coming, if you don't use that skill, that talent or that gift that God has given you, you will always be limiting God to what he did for other people. Instead of God using you and your gift of singing to achieve success in these times of change, you would look back and say that, huh, no, oh, they could use this method. Let me use that method. Then you would wonder, why am I not succeeding or why am I not achieving the success that I'm supposed to be achieving? In my book, I talk about the fact that there are no secrets to success. Because what you aspire as success for you and what I aspire as success for me are certainly different things. And if I am going to study you and how you are going to succeed, thinking that I will succeed, I'm going to find myself failing because I am different from you. In the same way, the way God would reveal to you is not the same you would reveal to the person seated next to you. The question is, are you going to take your gift? As this change is coming, maybe your job might be wiped out. The gift that you have, it says that your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men or bring you before kings. But if you limit God based on what he did yesterday and what he did for others, you are going to miss God. Hallelujah. Are you going to use a gift? He or she is going to use their gift. I don't know. I don't know Are you going to use the gift that God has given you? Because if you don't use the gift that God has given you, what will make room for you then? If you're not going to use the gift that God has given you, then nothing is going to make room for you. And you are going to limit God based on what he did yesterday, not knowing that God has moved. Or say the anointing has left what he did yesterday. You were supposed to throw away the jawbone, but you kept the jawbone. Okay, let's move to another change. Academic and career change. Maybe if I ask you, I would go before God and say that God, change is coming. And I don't like what's happening in my life. Help me to succeed in these times of change. Let's get the answer from Genesis 25. Genesis 25 from verse 21. Go to read or fail. We took Genesis 25, verse 21. for his wife because she was childless. 
or clearly prayed to the Lord because change was coming and he wanted to know how to succeed in these times of change. Or maybe you, your name, prayed to the Lord. Now the Lord answered his prayer and Rebecca, his wife, became pregnant. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. Maybe it's going to be you. And you're going to be asking, why is this happening to me, O Lord? I studied very hard and I invested lots of money in this career. And now a machine has come to replace or to eradicate your career. And you would go before God and say, Oh God, why is this happening to me? Maybe you've been doing whatever it is that you've been doing, hoping that you would succeed. And change comes. Then maybe it will be you going before God saying that, God, why is this happening to me? Let's get the answer. And the Lord said unto him, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy powers. And the one shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. And the Lord said unto them, or the Lord said to the youth that are gathered at hope of glory, two nations and two people. It's not saying two children, but two nations and two people. In other words, when this change is coming, there will be two different kinds of young people. Two different kinds of young people. Now let's, let's get to understand how or what differentiated these two young people. 23. And the Lord said to her, the founders of two nations are in your womb, and the separation of two nations has begun in your body. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the younger, the older shall serve the younger. What does he mean? If it's talking about nations and people, and not the children themselves, maybe he's talking about something different. And maybe take an example with Africa. Two nations and two people. We've got one who thinks a particular way, and we've got another one who thinks a particular way. Maybe Aryan Vienna, and then you would study at 27. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, breeding in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Then he said, 
first swear an oath. Jacob said, so Esau saw an oath to him and sold him his land as firstborn. Jacob answered, first make a vow. Oh, in another translation. First make a vow that you will give me your rights. Esau made a vow and gave his rights to Jacob. Two different kinds of people and two different kinds of nations. One has got a particular way of thinking and another one has got a particular way of thinking. Another one had his gift and he used his gift to provide for him or herself. And another one used his gift to maximize whatever it is that he was doing. Maybe this will be you one day. And you come back home or you come back from wherever it is that you are coming back from and you realize that changes happen in your environment. You spend all your day pursuing success in whatever way that you will be pursuing that success. And you come back home tired. You are tired and you are exhausted or maybe you are even sick and tired of the leadership, maybe of the country. Because you've been pursuing success in the way that you want to pursue success. And you are hoping that the leadership of the country would make something good happen for you. Now in that moment of desperation or in these times of change that are coming, you need to differentiate the way you think. If you don't differentiate the way you think, you are not going to value whatever it is that you have. You don't even have the person on your neck, next to your no. Huh? It seems like God is working for singers, or God is helping lawyers succeed, or God is helping whatever and whoever succeed. And you are going to devalue, or you are not going to value the gift that you have. And when you do that, you are going to find a smart man in the marketplace. A smart man who will say that, I know that you don't like this. But because you don't like this, let's make a trade. You sacrifice your future or your gift, and I will give you an income for you to eat. And I remember a couple of late earlier this year, we had a very big project to produce a very big documentary for one of the TV channels. And on the contract, they said that you are signing over your, your rights, or you are going to sign over your intellectual property and not expect anything in return. Now, looking at that opportunity, it would have been big bucks, a lot of money that was going to happen. But I cannot give away my intellectual property to someone else. Because I know that that intellectual property that I'm building it's going to help me or I'm going to eat tomorrow from it. The same way goes to you as a young person. What will you do when someone notices your gift and says, sign over this contract and give me your rights to intellectual property? Will you give them your intellectual property? We had so many kinds of artists like Wazahar. They performed and they made millions out of them only to get 10,000 rent. Now imagine the work that you are doing is generating someone a couple of billions and millions, but when you are even getting 10,000 then. If you are going to be desperate and if you are not going to value the gift that you have, 
you're going to find a smart man in the marketplace. A person who thinks differently from the way you are thinking. And they are going to say that, oh, I see. Sign over this intellectual property over to me and let me make a business out of it. And in your desperation, you wanting money and you wanting maybe exposure, you are going to sign over your intellectual property. How many of us know of uh, Marvel or Avengers? Do we know who created Marvel and Avengers? Do we? Yeah, Stan Lee was the one who created the Marvel Corporation. But because of his laziness and the way he was thinking, when they were buying Marvel, he also sold over his intellectual properties. And when Marvel released movies like Black Panther and The Avengers, they made billions and they continue to make billions. But now Stan Lee, it's, he hasn't even made 100 million. But the people who are succeeding from him are making billions. If you as a young person, if you are going to not utilize your gift, or out of your desperation, or out of your, your hunger for fame and money, if you sell over your gift to someone else, then that person will do whatever smart people do. They will commercialize your gift and they will make money out of your gift. When this change is coming, and there's nothing you can do about it, I'll wait for advance, 500,000, and advance and I'll launch your career. What will you do? Will you be like Jacob? Or will you be like Isaac? Who will you make rich out of your ignorance? If you are not going to value your gift and commercialize your gift, then someone else will come, value your gift and commercialize your gift, and then they will make money out of you. And then tomorrow you'll be watching them, maybe it's DJ's boo and whoever his partners were. And when you are Sahara, you even go to drugs and all those other things. Because you can't even afford to pay the rent of your house. You can't even afford to, put, to buy petrol. But someone else has used your gift. Let me you an Do you know the value of your gift now? Do you know the value of your gift? You know the temptation? The temptation when we are reading this scripture is to think that Jacob was a crook. But he wasn't. You know, if we are going to sign a contract, you know, back in the days, there were no contracts. But the way to show that whatever it is that we are doing is a commitment, we would swear an oath to God. Now that's what happens, let's say for example, when you are getting married, we are going to make a vow or we are going to say an oath to God. In the same way in that time, you couldn't say, here is a contract, sign a contract. But you saw an oath to God. Now suppose if I was a young person like you or a young person, I would say that no, I've sold over or I've given you my intellectual property. But I'm going to pray to God and say that, 
But that person was a crook and they misled me. But if you study this entire history, there is no way, no way God says that Jacob was a crook. We as the people said that he was a crook, but he wasn't because he was a smart man. He didn't say, give me your intellectual property. No, he said that, swear an oath. If that oath would have been invalid, maybe when the father was going to bless him, God was going to say, no, 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 don't bless that person because it's not the one that you are blessing. But because he sold over his birthright, or he gave away his gift, God shut up and let it happen. Maybe it might be you who say that, no, I'm going to be, maybe I'm going to look for money and I'm going to sell over my birthright or my gift. Then tomorrow I'm going to pray to God and say that they took my gift away from me. And God will just watch and say that, remember that oath you made there? Remember the oath that you made there? Now you as a young person, are you going to value your gift or are you going to let someone else make money or do whatever it is that they're going to do with your gift if you don't use your gift and if you don't protect your gift someone else will take your gift and they will make a fortune and later on i like what jacob did and he saw what god was doing he saw what god was doing for jacob and, and he wanted he pursued him Maybe this would be you also. Seeing someone else succeed and running with the gift that God has given you that you didn't value. And you are going to think that you could kill them and take away the blessings. But one thing happened that I was very fascinated with. It says one time when Jacob was sitting in a, in, in a cave and he remembered what God had done for him. He said that, God, if you protect me and if you guide me, then everything that I get or everything that you would bless me with, I will give a tenth of it. Or I will give out a tithe out of that thing. God never said to Jacob, give me a tenth of whatever it is that you're doing. But because Jacob fought differently than his brother, he said, me out of the willingness of my heart, for whatever it is that you, God, have done for me, I am going to give you a tenth. In other words, if Jacob was you and me, who is going to worship? He would say that, God, I, I won't let someone else try to make me worship you. I won't let someone else try to make me have a relationship with you, God. But because of what it is that you are doing for me, I myself, I am going to volunteer and I am going to worship you. The question is, what type of a nation are you? Or what type of a person are you? Are you one who values his or her gift? Or are you one who disrespects? their gift. Will you commercialize and monetize a gift? Or will you let someone else do that for you and make lots of money out of you? Okay, let's jump. 
Yet my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The youth are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you are not going to consume knowledge in these times of change, you will be destroyed. I like what happened in China. I was watching a documentary. My Lord, I saw what Alibaba has done. They call it a smart hotel. A smart hotel, there's a machine that cleans. There's a machine that delivers food. Just use a smartphone and scan. And then whatever it is that you're doing will be done electronically. I want a receptionist. You just take your picture and it scans you, and then they know. And whenever you'll be making purchases, they know that it's you. Now, when this change is coming, or we've seen even in, in many in, in many different faculties, where change came and it destroyed. If you are going to be a young person who is ignorant, who does not pursue knowledge, you will be destroyed. And you will have no one to blame but yourself. Because there's no one who's holding knowledge. You need to pursue knowledge. If you are not going to pursue knowledge in these times of change, you will be worthless in the marketplace. And others will come, others will replace you, and the career that you have. What do you do when change comes for you? Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. For me, the fascinating part was this old man. The old man who dreamed dreams. The old men who had a chance to pursue their purposes or who had gifts that they were supposed to be pursuing but they didn't. And now they are old. All they can do is to dream dreams. They dream of what they could have done with their gifts. They dream about what they could have achieved with their gifts. But the young ones, the young ones, or you and me, will prophesy and will see visions. Now, when you see that vision, what do you do? Level 11 calls you and what do you do when you see a vision? A vision about your career. Or a vision about your future. Uri. Will you pursue that vision, that vision you have? Or will you wait and then go to dream about it? If I were you, when God shows me a vision, I would pursue that vision. I don't want to be old and dream of what I could have done. Les Brown talks about used to be. 
and used to bees don't make any harm. Those who say, I used to be the best soccer player, or I used to be the smartest one in my class, or I used to be the one who was more gifted, they don't make any harm in used to bees. Take your gift, take the vision that God has given you, pursue that particular gift and purpose that God has given you. And that vision that you have, make sure that it manifests. If you don't, you will be old, and then you will be maybe like some of our old ladies or our grandmothers who would say, Mwanaka, if you want to succeed, come over to chair. They want you to become a teacher because they themselves, they couldn't become a teacher. Now they want to live their dreams through you. Yeah. Or they want you to be a doctor, a nurse, or a lawyer through you. Yeah. They had their chance, but they didn't. But now they are going to say that Mwanaka, become this or become that. If you let the vision that you have, if you let it go to waste, tomorrow you'll be the one who'll be telling your children or your children's children, Mwanaka, I remember back in my days. When this change is coming, you know, back in the day when we when we remember the TV games, we played TV games for fun. But today you can even become a professional gamer and you play games for living. The, 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 the biggest team, I think it earns more than 50 million per tournament. Now just imagine you are playing a game or FIFA on a stick, and you are earning 50 million for doing that. Because now the ones who were playing with their food in the pitch, now we've got toys or we've got machines that won't get injured there. Machines that won't need 50 million to play. But machines that I would need a joystick and I would go and play. Change is coming. There's nothing you can do about it. You can resist it, but it's coming. You can fight against it, but it's coming. What will you do? Don't be ignorant. Pursue knowledge so that whatever change is coming, you would see it and you would know how to use your gift to thrive in these times of change that's coming. If you don't, you're going to be the one who's be watching and like, ah, I remember back in the day when I used to be a smart boy. Now we'd be having machines that would do whatever it is that we need to do at work. No plakam Or maybe you were an accountant and you studied. One of the bands that I use, it's got everything built in. I no longer need an accountant for my business. I just plug it there on my platform, then boom. Any annual returns come, I just print a document and I, I submit it to SAS. And when I spend maybe 10 years studying to be an accountant or a bookkeeper, and then there's a machine or there's an app that will do whatever it is that you spend your life and money doing. What do you do when change comes? Pursue knowledge. If you don't pursue knowledge, change is coming. You might delay it by fighting against it. But eventually, that change is going to come. Now, as I conclude, let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 from verse 24. Go to Matthew 7. Okay. 
So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a wise, a sensible, prudent, practical wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and blew against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great and complete was the fall. Joshua said, keep this book of the law. Think about it. Meditate on this book. When you do that, you are building your future on the rock. But when you don't do that, when you build your future on sand, or you build it on what other people are saying or thinking about you and your future, then it will be like a stupid or a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Because change is coming. It's change to the environment. Change is going to happen to the soil. Change is going to happen to the sky. Now what do you do? Do you build your future on the rock? Do you build your future on knowledge? Do you build your future on the vision that God gave you? Do you build your future on the gift that God has given you? Or do you build your future on the sand? Other people might not see the value that your gift or your vision has. Don't build your future on the sand. Build on the rock. We can have examples kind of who created cleaning products. Or even traded cleaning products. If I were you and I were to share with you that no, God revealed to me this vision about a cleaning company. And when I because you didn't have that vision, you would laugh at me and say, um, if, uh, no, that vision of yours are uh, But tomorrow I build my vision, then I'll be leading and I will build a very big, big company on that vision I had. And I produce cleaning products that will clean the toilets and, and clean everywhere. Now someone else who saw that very same vision would look at it and say, I know, look. We had some scientists who were working in a lab and they were playing. They were physicians. They were playing with waves. And someone had a chocolate in their pocket. And those waves that they were playing with, they maintained a chocolate. If I were to tell you this vision, that I saw a vision of something that would improve the world, something that would make the way we eat or do our food to cook faster, you'd say, I'm but that gave us the birth of microwaves. And today we've got microwaves 
and people are making money. They've got copyright laws and they've, got, they've patented their gift. Now the challenge that I want to pose to you as a young person, patent or trademark your gift. Patent or trademark your gift. If you do that, everyone who uses your gift will owe you money. But if you don't, uh, then everyone will just make money out of you. And you can even take an example. Look at the guy who created the internet. Young, young guy from MIT created the internet content his networks. He never monetized, he never trademarked the internet. But we had the likes of Bill Gates, the likes of Mark Zuckerberg, the likes of Jan who came and used the internet, they gave us Facebook, WhatsApp, Google, and all those things. And now they are billionaires. But the man who created the internet is a broke young man. It's broke. Doesn't even have money to do whatever it is that he wishes to do. All because he never patented or he never took his gift seriously. What will you do? You might have a gift and you go and go and look for funding. And maybe you'll become like Janku. And you go to Facebook or you go to one of the big people that you know as, a, as an investor and say, Will you please invest in my idea? and fund me on this idea of mine. And they say, no, you can't even, you can't, ah, no, that dream of yours is too stupid. Or that vision you have is too stupid. He left, he came back with WhatsApp. And the management of Facebook, the very same people who told him that, no, 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 no. That, that app that you have is so stupid and you can't even program. They bought the company for 20 billion. And now in your phones you've got WhatsApp. That's the power of a vision. You are a young person and God is going to give you a vision for your future. Change is coming. And God won't just sit back. He's going to give you a vision of your future. When he gives you that vision of your future, if you take that vision God has given you, and you grow that vision, and you do whatever it is to make sure that that vision comes to reality. Someone tomorrow might buy whatever vision or whatever it is that you produce from your gift. But if you don't, and you will send it to someone else, they will come and they will make money out of that vision of yours. Maybe as one last example, the music industry. You know, the people who get rich in music are producers and new companies. Even those in the publishing company, in the publishing sphere. If you are very stupid and you're not going to be like Jacob, or who develop the mindset of Esau, who's always looking for shortcuts, who always wants whatever it is that they want now and not work for it, they would come and say, we'll give you an advance of 500,000 or a million for you to write a book or for you to produce an album for us. They'll give you that 500,000, they'll even buy you a car, maybe they'll even buy you a house, and you'll be happy. But when the music comes and they make 100 million, they make 200 million, 500, a billion, and they've only given you 10 million. Why? Because when you wanted the quick success. As a young person, 
there will be the temptation to go for the big success. Someone would come and say, you know what, I've seen the business that you have. But because you want the big success, or you also want to show us that you will be a success, instead of taking the money that you have, reinvesting it into your idea, or into your business so that it grows, you will be quick to want to show us that you are a success. And you will show us. And we will think that you are a success. Then tomorrow it will come a big order. Pasha Brad and Pede will come and say, We've seen you producing eggs. Now we want you to produce maybe 10 million eggs for us to go and feed people in Atoga. But because when you wanted to show us that you are making money, you don't have money to buy equipment to produce that 10 million eggs. Because when you were making money from your gift, you ate the fruits of your gift. Then when they come, they say this is a big order and you won't do that order, then you'll miss the opportunity. The time you've invested studying or managing or discovering the, what, what, what the marketplace is for you. But if you are not going to be persistent, if you are not going to work on your gift and the vision that God has given you, and you are only going to do for the, for the quickest way, I always tell my colleagues that the longest route to success is through a shortcut. Because if you are not going to spend seven years studying to become a doctor, and you are going to look for the short way of making money or building a career, you are going to spend seven years after that looking for a job that you can't find. Whereas you could have invested those seven years becoming a doctor and you would get a job. The longest route to success is through a shortcut. If you are not going to invest the time needed for you to develop your gift, someone will see and they will manipulate you into selling them your gift. And when change comes, you will be like, ha, ah, I remember I used to do this and that. But today, you wouldn't be able to do that because someone owns your gift. I like what the guy who created the peace call me did. And he said, no, 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 you guys have made more than 10 billion out of my peace call me idea. I'm not taking your 50 million because you've made more than 50 million. Now the question would be, what ideas or what vision has God given you that you are going to sell for a pot of steel? An agent might come and say, we've seen you, and we are looking for an African way to do hair. Or we've seen you designing beautiful African clothes and we want to create African attire. When you sign over those legal rights, to say, I'm giving you the intellectual property to all my designs, someone will make a lot of money out of you and you will suffer. The question is, what will you do with your gift? Will you manage, maximize your gift so that you thrive? You know, maybe, that's one last example, to show you the power of working or developing your gift. There's this guy who created a nice shop. You know, we've got plus minus eight or foot years of people in, the, in, our, in our rural areas making quarters. 
but there's only one man who's making millions out of making quarters. And he took the Algeria quarter and he made a company out of it. And in the last few years, he was making plus minus 60 million in profit. But we've got guys all over, they're cooking quarter or they're making quarter every day. But when the year ends, they can't even make 100,000 of profit. Why? Because they never developed their gifts. They never developed the vision that they had. What will you do with the gift that God has given you? Live a long time in Kausibena. Magician, what will you do? Will you sell your gift? Or will you develop your gift? If I were you, now I would develop my gift. That's the challenge that I want to give you as young people. Develop your gift. One of my friends says that, you know, the biggest tragedy is a man who has never discovered their gift. Even worse is a man who discovered their gift, but they never developed their gift. Even worse than that is a man who discovered their gift. They went on to develop their gift, but they are not profiting from their gift. But even worse than that is a man who's discovered his gift, who's developed his gift, who's profiting from their gift, but they have not created products around their gift. If it, I were you, I would be like Nando's. You know, it's very tempting to think that the business that Nando's is doing is frying chicken. But the truth is, Nando's doesn't fry chicken. What Nando's does, or the brand Nando's, it's built upon the sources that they build. But the very same sources that they use to create Nando's meat is not the same one as the one that's been done in uh, maybe KFC and all those other ones. They even went further to even selling you those prices that they are making. They develop products around their gift. Maybe you can even cook better chicken because you can cook but they made sure that they turned the gift that they had or the vision that they had into products that they will be using. Not only are they benefiting from cooking chicken, but they are also benefiting from making spices that will make chicken taste very good. What will you do with your gift? Develop your gift, discover your gift, profit from your gift, and lastly, create a system around your gift so that you'll be able to profit from your gift. If I had time, I would go deep and I would show you how do you, how do you make a system around your gift so that whatever comes or whatever changes come, you'd be able to build systems that will protect and secure your gift. When I see you again, I want to see you have developed your gift. Not only have developed your gift, but you are profiting from your gift. Not only will you be profiting from your gift, but you must create products around your gift.
If I were you, I would study as much as I can on my gift. And I would take examples from those who have monetized their gifts. And I would take my gift and I would make sure that I make it a product for the marketplace. And I would go and I would sell my gift. Whatever way it is that you're doing. You know, I like there's this shop. Oh, it's not a shop. There's someone there. Quite a full door. They are selling beautiful archer. That people are queuing in to have that archer. But now I haven't seen a system that would take that archer from Tefdorf into South Africa or to Africa. Even you, don't limit your thinking. Make sure that you pursue it so that you would expand and know what's possible for you. How can you maximize or how can you systematize your gifts? If I was the person, I would go and study the guys who are making archer for ShopRite, for PNP and all those other shop, shop, uh, other supermarkets. And I would also learn how do I systematize producing archer. Then I would produce that archer in large quantities and then I would sell it to the marketplace. Some of you have got vegetables, some of you are producing eggs. But if you don't systematize your eggs and you don't build a system, around whatever it is that you are doing or whatever business that you've got or the vision that you have, someone will come and you'll only be limited to that small area that you've got. You'll only be limited to maybe producing a thousand eggs. But someone will come and maybe learn from the Indian guys. Cooperate with other young people in your second so that when we've got a big order, I mean, just imagine, if I were to jealous you because you are producing eggs and pick and pay calls me and say, we want a, a million eggs. And because I can only produce a thousand eggs, I don't talk to you or your next door neighbor, or I don't cooperate with the other ones. Then all of us will lose that business deal. But if we cooperate and we, all of us, we produce those big eggs, then we'll meet their order and both of us, we will make some money out of our gifts or our visions. But if we don't cooperate, they will come and say, we've got, we've got three months to give us a million eggs. And you wouldn't be able to produce those million eggs. And then you lose out. Then they'll call a person or a company like Lance and say, oh, those young people who wanted to develop them, they failed to develop. Now, we want you. Now, as a challenge to you, find other people in the businesses that you will be starting. Find other young people who are doing the same business as you so that you will cooperate so that in future when a big order comes, it's not if, the question is when. When it comes, you need to be ready for it. Uh, John Wooden says that when the opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. When an opportunity comes for you to sing, it will be too late for you to prepare yourself as a singer. When the opportunity comes as a musician, it will be too late for you to prepare yourself to be a musician. Now while we are waiting for that opportunity, prepare yourself. While we are waiting for that opportunity, don't only pray for big opportunities. Prepare yourself for those big opportunities. 
learn and partner with other young people so that when the opportunity comes, you'll be able to take hold of that opportunity and you'll be able to maximize. If you follow the Bibli, find out who are the ones who are the Bibli. There will be a studio that will be built in Polokan. Even even now for the TV show that's coming, the Polokan TV. And they will say we are looking for makeup artists. Good man, they could produce. Whatever they could make up, the good man, they will be acting in our TV shows. Now, if you are going to be selfish or you don't know your other people, the people who are doing the same thing as you, who are doing makeup, they will call you and say, we've got maybe a thousand young people that we want you to make up. And you wouldn't be able to do that. But if you learn and systematize your gift and you partner with others, they will call you and say, then you bring your friends and you call them. Then you can handle that, that big order. But no, we want to build studios. Come and build. You've got guys like Muslim Hal who are coming to South Africa. Some of you can even take pictures. Some of you can even record videos. They didn't bring their crew. They came to South Africa looking for guys who would produce the music. The guys who would produce or to edit or even to design the graphics. And if you are selfish and you don't know whoever is doing whatever it is that you're doing, they will come and say, you've got this big order, design for us, or come and take photos, or come and shoot videos, or come and play for us in a concert, and you wouldn't be able to do that. But if you take your gift seriously, you develop your gift, and make sure that that gift that you've developed makes you an income. It might not make you an income for now. But when the opportunity comes and they call you, you send them an invoice and say, for me to sell my gift or for me to do whatever it is that I'm doing, here's the money. I was telling one builder a couple of days ago, saying that, you know, many people, they make the mistake, they would say, then they give them the 500,000. But the budget they have of the house will cost more than 500,000. But they've already had the 500,000. But because they didn't prepare themselves, they don't know how many bricks would cost to build this house, or how many cements, or how much would the doors cost. You need to make a quotation. Or no, okay, you talk to a builder and say, you know, I want to build a studio. And they say, how, how do I build this? How much does it cost? Then they give you the quotation. No, you need to buy these types of speakers. You need to do this and that. Then when you go and you ask for funding for whatever vision that it is that you have, you would say, for me or the whole of this contract, you only have to for your media company. I need 10,000. And with that 10,000, you know you'll buy makeup that costs this much and you'll pay this much for people that you would hire and you pay this much for transport costs and all those things. Then you have the contract and you make money out of it. But if you don't, what how much do you charge? Well, I've never had 10,000 in my hands. Then you say 10,000, then they come, they give you 10,000. Then you end up finding that the project that you did costed more than 10,000. And now you're doing what I call a non-profit business. Because you're not going to make money out of that business it is that you're making. 
It's my final challenge to you as a young person. If you want to thrive in these times of change, learn to systematize your gift. Learn to build the systems around your gift. And this will be studying towards your examinations. Whatever it is that you are studying, you will find that there will be someone in that particular field who made money out of it. You know, I like this one particular hospital in town. All of them, they are doctors. And it's a group of doctors. But one doctor amongst them all is the CEO of that company. And you'll never see him practicing in the surgery. And now he's busy managing the business. The business of healing people. Now the question is, what type of a mindset will you also develop? So even if you've got your colleagues who will be producing whatever it is that you'll be producing, who will be the one who will be leading the project? Overlays our no, you guys can build this or build, or will you learn to build a system around building? Or will you learn to build a system around aid production? Or will you learn a system to build around health rest making? If you don't learn the systems, you will also be the one working there. And while we are working and sweating, someone else will be sitting in an office and making money out of you working. So don't make that mistake. And as we are going to write our exams, and I will always tell the people, the ones that I mentor, that you know there's nothing anyone can do for you. Only you can do for yourself. The pastor might come and pray for you and lay hands on you, or you might even go to a prophet and they lay hands on you. But if you don't study, don't even, don't even expect a pass. Because you never did the work. You never did the work that you were supposed to do that would enable you to pass. No, back in the day, now I knew when I was writing, or uh, no, more writing nonsense. And I wouldn't even expect a pass. Because I knew that I didn't put the time and the effort needed for me to pass. But when I did put the effort, I knew. And I would tell my peers that the question is not did I pass, but the question is how did I pass. And as you'll be studying towards your exams, don't let your question be did I pass, but let your question be how many marks did I get, because you've prepared yourself thoroughly. They might pray for you, they might lay hands on you, but the truth of the matter is there is no prayer for instant success. Or maybe, let me, let me pose as a challenge to you. Show me a person who sowed a seed to get a pass that they never studied and then they passed. Or show me a person who never did whatever it was necessary for them to get a car. They never saved, they never took care of their finances and they sowed a seed and they got the car. Now I don't know that person. Maybe when you see me outside, you tell me, I never studied for my exams, and I, I sowed a seed, and angels came from heaven, and they wrote for me, and I passed. But the odds are that won't happen. God won't let you do that. So as you're preparing for your exams, know that no one will make you pass but yourself. And if you don't study, if you don't study, then uh, hard luck. 
handler because he won't reap fruits that you never you never planted. Someone else might, yes, there might be some spiritual and extraterrestrial things that might happen. But for those ones, the pastors will come and they'll pray for you so that those ones, those extraterrestrial ones, don't happen to you. But as for the hard work, that one is in your hands. Your future is in your hands. And if you don't maximize your future, then someone else we will watch and say that, ah, that person used to be smart and now they are broke or they are poor. Or one final quote I'm going to leave with you. My mentor said that if all of us attended the same class or we attended the same lecture, but your peers are reaping fruits or they are getting a benefit of the same lecture that we attended, then it means that you never understood the class because now you are not reaping the fruits of whatever it is that you are supposed to be reaping. If you are going to be going to school with your friends and tomorrow when they are reaping the fruits of their hard work and their studying, you are not doing that, it means that you never understood what the teacher was saying. Or if after this particular lesson, when I see you five years from now, you never systematized your gift, you never pursued your vision, you never pursued the gift that God has given you, or you never used it. And you see another person doing that, it means that you did not understand the lecture. And you need to go back and ask for, for the notes or ask for that particular lecture. Because someone else, in these times of changes, they are coming these changes. Make sure that as a young person, don't be so ignorant that your ignorance would stop you from pursuing or benefiting or profiting from your gift. Because if you don't, someone else will profit from your gift. And as we are going to be enjoying whatever food it is that we'll be enjoying, be thinking about systematizing that gift you have. What can you do to make sure that your gift will be recognized in the marketplace? What will you do to make sure that whatever skill it is that you have, when they come and say, we want to automatize hairdress making, they would come to you and say that you are the expert in hairdress making and now you want to build a machine that would uh, create hair or would sew hair or if you can make dresses or you can whatever gift it is that you have, make sure position yourself as the expert in the industry so that they would come to you. For example, they won't come to you on the streets if you are playing soccer and they want to make a machine that will play soccer. Maybe they will go to Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo because they make sure that they maximize their gift. Now, even you as a young person, make sure that whatever gift it is that you have, work on that gift, make sure that that gift will help you to stand out in the marketplace. Because when we go into the marketplace and everyone is the same, the question would be, who is the most influential one or who stands out? And let us automate, let us automate based on their gifts. And if you haven't discovered your gift or you haven't discovered your purpose or you don't even know what it is that you need to do for you to discover your gift. In this book, 
I talk about how to discover your purpose and your gift and how to use it in the marketplace. And if you want a copy, you will see me afterwards and say, ah, Mr. Wamulo, can I have a copy of that book? And I'll, I'll, I'll send you the book and you'll go and it will help you. How I discovered my gift and how I am using my gift to do whatever it is that I'm doing with my gift. But whatever it is that you are doing as a young person, there's nothing you can do to stop the change that's coming. Change is coming. All you need to do is to prepare yourself for the change. Don't be lazy to study. Study academically and also study individually. Study other people who have done whatever it is that you want to do and learn how to automate your gift. Learn how to build systems around your business and your gift. And tomorrow when I see you, I'll see you driving a Lamborghini or I'll see you driving a Koenigsegg. And you say, Mr. Mabolo, I, I used my gift. I made systems around my gift. And look at me, I'm employing the community around my area and I'm employing other young people. So next time when I see you, I will ask you the question. Did you discover your gift? Did you look for ways to profit from your gift? Did you make money out of your gift? And did you create products around your gift so that when church comes, we will come to you as the expert? Thank you.